the Doctor is put on trial for harmful interference in events during his space-time excursions and must prove his innocence, but his prosecution, the sinister Time Lord, the Valiard, will stop at nothing to prove the Doctor's guilt. The first piece of evidence is a past visit to the planet Ravalox, where the Doctor and Perry went up against a tyrannic robot and the planet held a terrible truth about its origins. This is Trial of the Time Lords, part one to four, The Mysterious Planet. Welcome to Regenerated. invited to speak. The accused? Do you mean me? I call upon the Valyard to open the case. By order of the High Council, this is an impartial inquiry into the behavior of the accused person, known as the Doctor, who is charged that he, on divers occasions, has been guilty of conduct unbecoming a Time Lord. Not guilty! He is also charged with, on divers occasions, transgressing the First Law. It is my unpleasant task, Madam Inquisitor, to prove to the inquiry that the Doctor is an incorrigible meddler in the affairs of other peoples and planets. Hello everyone and welcome back to Regenerated. My name is Matt and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful wife Becky. Hi. And this week we've got Season 23, Trial of a Time Lord. This is a bit of a strange season because it's a season-wide arc, a bit like uh, Key to Time. And it's split up into, I think it's... uh, Because how jolly that was. Yeah, it's split up into about three or four different um, sort of serials. Uh, we're back to uh, the 25 minutes serials as well. So for the benefit of this podcast, I'm going to call it parts one to four, but it does have an alternative uh, title, which is Mysterious Planet. I'm guessing that was for the novel, but for like I say, like the benefit of the podcast, it's going to be pa- uh, parts one to four. But before we get on to that, uh, we've just had the 60th anniversary second episode, which I think was called Wild Blue Yonder. So just quickly, Becky, what did you think of Wild Blue Yonder? Oh, well, one, that's a bit strange and weird. And two, that's not really a sort of thing you ought to be watching if you've had a drink or something a bit more recreational yeah it was a bit of a strange one um with uh enlarged david tennant and Catherine tate at one point it wouldn't be good if you were like hallucinating either mm, yes so you know it's just a bit of a mind trip i thought it was uh obviously we're not up to that yet as we said last time but we will get on to it eventually but for, like I say, just for the benefit of this quick review, actually, I thought it was okay. I thought it wasn't, you know, it was, yeah, it was it was an okay one, I think. Yeah. Um, but like I've said, it doesn't really, mm. everyone, everyone's different. Like, 
obviously for the 60th anniversary, I thought they would have been a little bit more. I know it's not... To be honest, you always keep saying that you prefer the five doctors and things like that over... Well, I just like it to be a little bit more special. Or the two doctors and things like that over, you know, um, that. And you don't think a 60th anniversary. But to be fair, I think it was actually better than them. Well, yeah, but but I just then, think... uh, but then I could be quite biased because I very much like David Tennant. Well, I did say last time that I will pass judgment <laughs> at the end, which is going to be uh, as we're recording this. It will have been, but as uh, well, as we're recording this, it's coming. But as it's going to, as you well, listening yeah, to this, it's as been. we're recording it, they'll be in two days' time. Yeah. But but I do feel that for the 60th anniversary, I thought that would have been a little bit more special. I do like the things where they do multiple doctors. I do think, and obviously, they might do that in the last like um, thing, the last episode. But it's just at the minute, I don't feel although as if it's 60th I am very much I am very much looking for Neil, not forward to Neil Patrick Harris as a celestial toy maker. Yeah, I do like Neil Patrick Harris as an actor. He can blimmin' do anything, and you know, after watching him be slightly, you know, weird in How I Met Your Mother, it's just kind of, you know, mm. how far could he push the sadisticness? Yeah. You know? Well, we'll see, won't we? Because obviously, like we said, we've seen the Celestial Toymaker before. We'll mm. see what his take of it is in the Yeah, next it'll, be, it'll be quite interesting. But, um, you know, because especially with the Celestial Toymaker in itself, the one we've seen before, you know... I weren't too big a fan of. No, no. So, you know, but then, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, I'm quite fond of him as an actor anyway, so mm. the fact is it should be quite entertaining. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's talk about the Especially trial. with Donna Noble. Yeah, the trial of the Time Lord. So, uh, 6th to the 27th of September, 86, like I said, four 20-minute episodes written by uh, the great Robert Holmes, who has done some of Becky's favourite bits, which is the Crotons to start off with. Uh, Crotons, the, get yeah, it right. The Space Pirates, Spearhead from Space... Um, Terror of the Autons, Carnival of Monsters, Time Warrior, Ark in Space, Pyramid of Mars, The Brain of Morbius, The Deadly Assassin, The Talons of Wanshien, The Sun Makers, The Reboss Operation, The Power of Kroll, The Caves of Andrew Zani, The Two Doctors, and now The Mysterious Planet, if you want to call it that, or parts one to four of The Trial of the Time Lord. And it was directed by, um, this is his first one, uh, Nicholas Mallet. And in the poll, it's a little bit dif different to normally because normally um, it would be the serial. This time, the whole story. Yep, the whole sort of story arc trial of the Time Lord has been um, voted on as a whole. And it came in at 168 at 241. So it's kind of in the middle. Um, so, this first four parts, Becky, what did you think? Uh, it's a bit dull. Well, dull. Um, it's just as you say, and it's given me very key to time vibes, and I didn't really enjoy that one very much either because it was like, oh God, when is this going to be over? Mm -hmm. Because it's actually boring. All right, I didn't find it boring, but the thing is that annoyed me is 
yeah, I get it, it's a trial, and they're having to flip back and forth all the time, but that's what really annoyed me. Right. Is the constant flicking back and forth because it's like you're trying to follow one story and then you're basically getting people talking about it and interrupting. And I'm like, I can't even stand that in general anyway. And I know for a while you're going to say, yeah, but you talk it over things when you're watching them. Yeah, because that's me. That's probably bits I've already seen before that I'm talking over. Mm. Two... I don't like it when people talk over something I'm watching because it drives me up the wall. Well, they keep breaking into yeah. the story, basically. They yeah, because they're basically... The they keep pausing it to talk to the doctor about the trial and things like that. And it's just like, shut up, I'm trying to watch this bit. And it's just it just seems like a constant interruption for me. Right, and yeah. I really don't like I it. I see what you're saying. Anyway, let's quickly go for the synopsis and then we can... We'll Although, when are we that. losing Perry? She's getting on my tits. Well... I'm not going to say anything. Um, so let's just go for the synopsis and then we can touch on some of the points. So the doctor is summoned by the High Council of Time Lords to stand trial for Although, the charges of harmful interference to the course of events during his space-time excursions, which have threatened the sanctity of the universe. Indigent uh, of these uh, accusations, the did, doctor pleads... did Tom Baker like, have a trial one? Well, no, I'll get into that in, in a minute. Just let me finish the synopsis and then we'll get into that. So, indigenous of these accusations, the doctor pleads his case to the Inquisitor with the hope that she will see him as a source she of hope like an and goodwill for existence. However, his prosecuting attorney, a sinister Time Lord known simply as the Valiard, begins a crusade against the doctor's life with the motive of painting him out to be a villainous renegade. The Valiard's first movement against the doctor is to review his past interactions on a familiar planet called Ravo, uh, Ravolox where he and his then companion Perry Brown meet the morally grey Sabalong Glitz and a tyrannic robot stalking the world's desolated landscape. However, Ravalox holds a and terrible you, truth in mean... the far reaches of its ruins, while the Doctor's trial has its own fair share of startling twists and turns. And what was it you saying about interruptions, Becky? I'll just get through the synopsis. Yeah, then but then I think about things yeah, and I, I know, can't help I know. it. You need a notepad Point. and a pen, Becky, to write them down. No, I don't need a notepad and pen. Okay. Point is, you know, you say about glitz and everything. What the hell was up with them sideburns? Well, it's just... The trouble is they sort of throw, throw on different things, like I've beard, seen, hair, I've or seen, something to make them look I've different. I've seen some dodgy, chavy things... You know, when I was a teenager of people doing that to their eyebrows and now you get people doing it to the back of their hair and the sides of their hair and everything. But one thing I was sure of is that no one had ever done it to sideburns. Mm. Well, they have now in Doctor Who. Clearly I'm wrong. Yes, in Doctor Who. Uh, You said about a trial before. They do mention this in the serial. Yes, obviously the Doctor has been on trial before. Uh, um, Patrick Troughton's Doctor at the end of the war games where he obviously then ended up getting a face change into John Pertwee. That's kind of what happened there. So yes, he has been on Why trial. Why do I keep thinking that it was Tom Baker though? Um, I, it might've been through the course of it, something to do with uh, trialing and stuff mm. like that. Deadly assassin, I think is one of them where they thought he'd killed someone, isn't it? Before he killed one of the time. Oh, Lords, something. I can't, really can't remember. We've, been, we've seen so many serials since then, Becky, you know, and so many stories. Um, yeah. So 
It is basically that. It is a trial. The Doctor is on trial in a courtroom where the Valiard is the prosecution. And they're presenting it via the Matrix, uh, which is a big, basically a screen is what they're watching. But apparently the Matrix holds all the thoughts and the adventures of the Doctor, basically. And he, like I say, is accused of basically interfering in like um, time events, which is nothing new because... Mm this is what the doctor does he does interfere with certain things we even to say i don't really want to tie it into the new doctor who but i will quickly tie it into uh this past um serial basically because it's a nice little thing to bring up it's like the doctor actually interferes with isaac newton and gravity or as he calls it what is it mavity mavity so there's a lot of memes going on about Mavity and stuff like that. So he actually, which I don't, I don't know why that. he actually basically says that because when they say about basically considering the gravity of the situation, they mm. never even say mavity towards him. No, it's because obviously he 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 doesn't really hear it very well, so he's kind of saying it through to try and uh, sort of spark the brain. Yeah, I know because he says about havity and things yeah, like that so. and. So even though the Doctor has been on trial for um, interfering, he's still doing it now. That's the point I was going to make. So Yeah, any- but that wasn't exactly intentional. Mm, well. You know, yeah. falling into a tree. Anyway, so, yeah, basically that's how the how And this the is why you don't have drinks around consoles. That's, uh, yes, basically. Or um, computers or anything like that. It's like, you know, people used to get so anal when we when I was at school about even if you had a water bottle in the computer's classroom at school. Mm. And it was just like, oh my God, you know, I'm only taking a sip of water. It's nowhere near an actual computer. It's in the middle of the blooming classroom and all the computers around the edge, you know. Yeah. It was just so completely, you know, the teachers used to get so anal about it. And it's just like, Christ's sake, you know, what do you think I'm going to do? Go and just go and shake it all over the place, you know. But no, that is, that is but crazy. question is, the doctor should know about these things, and he should know that the TARDIS console does not work well with liquids. So why put a coffee machine on the middle of the console? Yeah, but why not have like um they did with William Hartnell back in the day, and actually like have. A little machine off to the side somewhere that's like for water or food or things like that it ended it's not that hard so basically the moral of the story back years is that you don't have a coffee machine in the tardis then pretty much no right well you can have it in the tardis just not right on top of the console mm. right anyway so bringing it back to the first serial of trial of the time lord so that's basically where we start we start with the doctor uh being basically called to Gallifrey to sit this trial and there's a nice little model shot at the beginning where it's like a panning tracking model shot which is really really quite cool especially for the 80s I thought it was really really good and then obviously the doctor is in this like courtroom with the valiard and the inquisitor and some time lords at the back and then we basically go to the screen to for the prosecution basically to present their case to the inquisitor about the doctor and his told you it doesn't she don't look like an inquisitor why because I've seen the Grand Inquisitor in Star Wars. Oh, yes, or the Inquisitor from Red Dwarf. So no. Yeah, but I don't know that one. Yeah. Anyway, so we then go to they basically use the Matrix to show the Although Doctor's actions that, on the planet Re- Revelox. 
Um, the Doctor and Perry arrive on Revelox, which is virtually identical to Earth. He tells Perry that the official records state that the planet was devastated by a fireball, but the forests they are walking through suggest otherwise. They are seen by Sabalon Glitz and Dibber, who attempt to shoot the Doctor. He moves just off in time. Um, Glitz and Dibber discuss their plans to destroy a L3 robot by sabotaging its light conversion system, which has been turned into a totem by a primitive tribe. So they're basically there to destroy this L3 robot. They're mm. also, as we learned, they're kind of like... Um, they're kind of like uh, vagabonds and thieves. Is that the way to describe them? They're kind of out for just money, basically, what they can get. Yeah. Um, anyway, the Doctor and Perry explore a cavern uh, Perry discovers a sign sable, saying Marble Arch, a London underground sign. This kind of um, screamed to me like 60s Planet of the Apes, where obviously the Planet of the Apes, they're on Earth and they just don't know it. And there's like, um, I think it's more in, I'm not sure if it is in the first, the first 1960s Planet of the Apes film or the second one. I know it's more so in the second one that they have lots to do with the underground and like... Uh, you know, like these uh, signs and that. Just that's kind of what reminds me. Anyway, this means that they are on Earth. Perry begins to mourn for a planet. The Doctor basically says that they are, what is it? Um, they're several, is it billion years into the future? I can't remember what he says now. He says that there's so many years. I think it was like 500 or something. Well, wh whichever. Anyway, they are on Earth. But look, Earth is not in the same position as it is like we're on it. It's basically as a, a couple of light years off task, uh, off track or something like that. Well, I think that's more basically a uh, fair few light years basically away from where it's supposed to be. Yeah, basically. Uh, the Doctor interrupts the replay to ask what the relevance of this is. He then asks... Um, why Perry is not with him on the station. The Valiar answers that she is where the Doctor left her and states that the Doctor evidently evident temporal amnesia, a side effect of being taken out of time, should soon pass. So, yeah, this is what Betty's saying about being interrupted. They do kind of interrupt it a little bit um, at certain points in time in the story. Unfortunately, Becky, it's going to continue for the whole thing because it is a trial. Um and you have to think that when they're on, when they're showing what's via the Matrix, that's not kind of the story really of what's happening. The, the story of really what's happening is actually the trial aspect of it. So you can understand why they do keep interrupting it. It's kind of, you know, obvious. Um, there is a little bit of a mysterious bit there where the Valley, uh, where the Doctor asks where Perry is. Exactly. Where is she? When we saw the Doctor arrive in this trial, Perry is not with him. I will say that now, spoiler alert, is now in effect because in the next serial, we will find out what happens to Perry. Let's just say what happens to her is the, the bit of the spoiler. So and then we'll, we'll obviously answer the question as to why she's not with the Doctor here in the, in the, uh, the, um, the courtroom. Anyway, as the Matrix resumes, showing the evidence on Ravlox, Perry is still upset. The Doctor goes into a complex alone, once again leaving her on her own. He says to her, don't wander off, don't get into trouble. Well, it's kind of like telling a toddler not to, I don't know, bump H into something. Hide under a Bump into something or fall down on the um, floor. 
or more like Gravars, not to hide under the big circular thing full of coats in the middle of Primark and not to jump out at people. Mm. So it's, you know, when you're telling a companion not to go off and cause trouble, then you know that's evidently what they're going to do. So um, two masked figures appear and capture Perry. Surprise, surprise. Very quickly, they capture Perry. Meanwhile, Glitz and Dibber are brought before a Katarika, queen of the tribe of the free. Now, did you notice who... Joan Kat- Sims. Yes, I was going to ask you. Joan Sims, the great, shall we say, the late great Joan Sims. She's been in quite a lot and she's very... Um, she's a bit of British, like... Uh, What's the word? Uh, national treasure, that's what we call them. Yeah. Um, she's kind of like a British national treasure from the 60s, obviously more known for things like the carry-ons. And she was also in different sitcoms and stuff like that. She'd appear in different things. Um, but obviously she's now doing her stint in Doctor Who because all the greats, they all end up in Doctor Who, don't they? Anyway, Glitz claims that the totem attracted the fireball that devastated Ravelox and asks for it to be taken down. The Queen tells him that others have asked for the totem to be dismantled and none have succeeded. Basically, she says that a load of people have appeared and said different reasons as to why that totem should be basically destroyed. Glitz and Dibber draw their guns but are overpowered and locked up. The Doctor finds an underground complex and picks up a bottle of water. This sets off an alarm and people enter and subdue him. He is accused of stealing water and sentenced to be stoned. The Doctor tries to block the stones with an umbrella but is knocked unconscious. The Valiard proposes that the inquiry that the inquiry into the Doctor's activities should become a full-blown trial with the penalty being the termination of his life and that's the end of part one so originally it was supposed to be just like a reprimand but now the valiard has now called for termination of his life so already i think we're getting the sense that the the valiard has kind of got it in for the doctor he kind of is very being very stern with what he actually wants to happen at the end of this trial which, mm. as we go through the trial, we will find out more about what the, the, the Valiard's kind of motives are, shall we say, and what, you know, in effect, why he wants to uh, basically terminate the Doctor's life. Part two, other officials arrive and break up the stone and the Doctor is still breathing. Before he can be killed, Medine re- receives a message from the Immortal stating that he wishes to question the Doctor. The Immortal is re- revealed to be a huge humanoid robot, commands its two assistants to release the service robot. So, basically, this um, robot is called Drax... Drax... What is it? Dra- How do you say it? It's... Um, Drathro, Drathro, I think it is. Um, mm. Which humanoid is probably the right word, isn't it? It's basically a human in a in a suit. What did you think of the robot villain? It's obviously the villain of the piece. It kind of reminded me of a hammerhead shark. Yeah, it's got kind of like a two pronged sort of curved ha- hat. One, um, there's no eyes, and two, no. Well, you, you know, got, well, you got to think it's like a screen or something, isn't it? Yeah, but... It's got a big three on it. So this is obviously L3, the robot that uh, Glitz and Dibber are actually mm. trying to take out. Um, it's all right. You can clearly see it as a person in a suit. We've seen better robots than this. It's kind of very, um, you know, Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who is, is known for being very cheesy. Uh, and this is one of the elements, I would say, where you can say this is like pure cheese is the way that this robot, even when it walks, is kind of walking to accommodate. Looks like it's got Lego hands. 
Yeah, it's that sort of thing as well, which is not the first time you said that about a robot in Doctor Who. You know, yeah, as robots go, it's not the best. Um, it's probably not the worst. Um, the the Chumleys sort of spring to mind. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it is what it is. It kind of serves a purpose. And obviously the budget isn't like now where we could make a brilliant CGI robot and look really convincing. Perry is bought between Katarika, who informs her that they're, that as there are few women, she will need to take many husbands as a member of her tribe. Of course, they have to sexualise the female companion. Yeah, but I don't understand that. All right, I get that there's not a lot of um, females in the tribe, as they say. So there's more women, you know, there's more men than women. Hmm. So obviously, yeah, I get that. But women can only produce, you know, one child, child at a time, one child, averagely. You know, a year really. Whereas twins, but you could have. You know, but whereas if you had a man, if you had a man with multiple women, a man could basically provide, um, get a woman up the duff pretty much multiple times a day, multiple days a year. Mm. You know, so surely that would be more of a. You know, men have multiple wives, which is why you know in a lot of countries, you know. A lot of rich men have harems and things like that, and with multiple wives. Yeah, you know that's one of the reasons why Egyptians did because then they could father a lot more children. Mm. But I just don't get it with the women sort of thing because you know we can only kind of carry sort of like one pregnancy at a time. Yeah, it does feel like it's a bit backwards. Yeah, it? like it should be. She should have uh, multiple. No, she should be one of many wives to one man. Yeah, but it yeah, anyway. it just it just doesn't make sense. It's like you, clearly they're not focused on procreation. It's Doctor Who and plot holes again, Becky. They just well, don't make sense. I don't think it's that. Clearly they're not focused on procreation because they seem more focused on fighting. But you know, that's the thing. If they want kind of men to fight and things like that, surely eventually they're going to need replacements. Mm. Anyway, she is put in the same prison as Glitz and Dibber. They tell Perry their plan to destroy the robot. They are taken back to Katarika, who tells them that Glitz will be sacrificed before because of his attempts to destroy the great totem. The Doctor is taken to the immortal, who induces himself as Drathro. It commands the Doctor to work with the two assistants, which look very much like um, what my first thoughts was it's like the twin dilemma with the two twin boys mm. but they've grown up it's kind of like the same sort of thing yeah. anyway um where were we the doctor identifies the problem and tries to leave in order to fix it but draft drathro does not allow him to as his instructions are to maintain an underground system the doctor electrifies the robot and his assistants and escapes drathro sends the service robot to track down the doctor Meanwhile, Perry, Glitz and Dibber overpower the guards and escape. Dibber remains behind to plant a bomb on the black light converter while they go to the underground complex. In the Marb station, Medim tells Balazar that there has been no fire for hundreds of years and he should leave the complex. They encounter the Doctor and Medim implores him to help Balazar escape. Perry, Glitz and Dibber persuades his pursued by tribesmen find the doctor and they flee into the mob station but a trap between the tribe and the service robot when perry asks what they should do the doctor replies i don't know i really think this could be the end and that's part two so the service robot um a little bit yeah it's a little bit 
sort of pants again, isn't it? And I think if I remember right, coming mm-hmm. up into Sylvester McCoy's era, we get a lot of these kind of tracked um, robots, you know, obviously robots on tracks and they look a bit sort of pants, shall we say, not mm. very convincing. Uh, part three is a quite short part especially in the writing. So the Doctor and Perry are saved when the tribesmen shoot at the service robot and disable it. The Doctor tries to re-enter the underground complex, but the tribesmen insist they all return to the village. There the Doctor is brought before Katarika. She is unimpressed with the explanation of the true nature of the totem and puts them all back into the prison cells. There's a lot of prison in this one. Glitz mm. confirms that the planet is actually Earth. So much to the Doctor's um, belief, Glitz just confirms that the planet is actually Earth. Um, Drathro reactivates the service robot and sends it to the village. It breaks into the building with the doctor, stuns him after an attempted handshake and takes him away. It's quite an interesting uh, effect that. It was okay. Um, mm. It kind of got these like tentacles, wraps the doctor around him and he's kind of like on the sort of front of it. And then we do go to another scene where he's actually like, basically like in, if you would like to say uh, the robot's carrying him sort of um, vertically. Is that the word? No. Horizontal. horizontal. That's the word. Horizontal. So he goes from vertical to horizontal. Obviously, that is because maybe the robot or the prop, shall we call it, um, mm. obviously couldn't carry Colin Baker vertical. So they changed it. So it was a horizontal. So the tribesmen disable the service robot and decide to attack the Immortals Castle to steal his technology. Obviously, being tribesmen and stuff like that, they're not really understanding about what the actual robot is. They call it a castle, even though it's an underground underground layer, that sort of thing. Uh, Still basically wants to steal his technology, believing that they have killed him. Uh, Perry rescues the Doctor from the service robot. They set off to the underground complex to stop Kakarika and disable the blacklight system. So obviously because the totem's been destroyed, they think that the the, uh, the robot has been destroyed. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor and Perry encounter Modine in the corridors of the underground complex. He tells them that, that he is hunting. When the Doctor asks who his quarry is, he looks at the Doctor and says, you. He raises a crossbow weapon at the Doctor and fires, and that's the end of part three. So it's quite a quick part. Um, obviously that last little bit is misdirection uh, when the doctor says about, you know, who, who you basically you hunt and he says you, it's that misdirection, isn't it? Where he's obviously looking at somebody else and talking about somebody else, but for the purpose of the cliffhanger, which I do think is a bit weak, especially when we have the reprise, um, we go to actually how they get out of it. He's obviously talking about someone else, and that's what happens. He fires his crossbow at somebody else. So that's uh, that's how they get out of it. So part four, Katarika and the tribesmen arrive at the castle where they're confronted by Daf- uh, Dafro. He electrocutes Katarika and dis- uh, dismisses the rest of the tribe. So she, um, unfortunately, she uh, suffers a, a grisly f- fate, shall we say. And again, it's that... Um, sort of Colin Baker-esque violence that they've introduced into Doctor Who since since he's taken over. And it does remind me a little bit of Lytton and the bloody stumps mm. from Attack of the Cybermen in the last season where she's basically electrocuted, but she's got like a blood down her face and it's very graphic, you know, and, you know, it just, yeah, it kind of, yeah, the, the violence has kind of stepped up. Um, if we then say, sort of say, you know, to... Um, I can't really use the new who's the latest episode as an example, but because there wouldn't any real violence in that, but uh, we'll have to keep an eye out and I will 
mention if I do see a bit in the new who if there's a little bit of violence that I think is a little bit like on par with this then I will sort of call it out anyway uh the Doctor enters Dathro's domain, promises to help them repair the Black Light system. However, he determines it to be beyond repair and tells Dathro that he must shut him, uh, shut down the Black Light system to prevent a massive explosion. Again, it's that sort of thing where the whole base is going to explode if they don't avert it, basically. Dathro refuses that it would mean its own destruction. The Doctor pleads with him, saying that the explosion could destroy the entire universe. That makes Dathro determined to allow what he thinks is a unique event um balazar and perry plead with medine to help them noting that he would die if the converter exploded glitz and dibber arrive and follow them into the castle through a food chute with uh, new powerful weapons as well they've got like these new sort of guns which kind of looks more like a sort of, sort of strimmer with with added bits to it to be honest um Dathro tries to kill them by turning on the food processing system, but Dibber shoots him through the wall. Glitz tells Dathro that they have black light on their ship and offers to take the robot to the Andromeda galaxy. Dathro agrees and leaves with Glitz and Dibber. So they're basically fooling fooling uh, this robot um, and they basically want uh, the source of information because Dathro goes off to get his like, triangle case thing, which has got like micro... You say like micro dots or something like that with like loads of information. So basically it's a bartering thing. They want the information to sell it, I'm guessing. The mm -hmm. doctor realizes that the black light system has already been gone to self-destruct. All he can do is prevent it starting a chain reaction. The system explodes, but the blast only destroys the castle. And as a result, Dathro collapses. The doctor and Perry leaves Medine and Balazar to take the remaining habitants to a new life on the surface. And the last bit is that, because uh, obviously we're finished now, the first sort of batch of evidence, shall we say, for the Valiard. So it's not really the end of the story. It's just the end of the serial, if that makes sense. Uh, the Doctor then announces to the court that he has saved the universe and starts to present his defence. The Valiard warns the Doctor that he has more evidence to come and that the court will demand the Doctor's life at the end. And that is the end of the first um, parts, part one to four. So in the next one, it'll be parts five to eight. So now that we've seen it or Whatever you want to call it, parts one to four, the mysterious planet. What did you think of it, Becky? You said it was a bit dull. Yep. Oh, I think it's all right. I think, unfortunately, um, it, it, it's. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say because I was gonna say something and then it might sour your opinion of Trial of the Time Lord. But I'm just gonna let you watch the next ones and see what you think of it, and we'll we'll revisit how you think the story's going. Mm -hmm. how, what about what about the whole trial storyline? It's it's an interesting premise about like the Doctor's now on trial for interfering. He has interfered quite a lot. If you think like think of all the things that he's done, you know, even like things like. Um, Getting a companion, you know, getting a companion is kind of interfering because he plucks the companion out of their their race, their tribe, their planet, their universe, whatever you want to say. He plucks them out and it obviously changes their course of their life. Speak like if we think about it, look, Adric. Adric is a big example of that. You know, Adric ends up sacrificing his life for the universe, for the Doctor, you know, all the the companions and that. You know, is that an interference by the Doctor there straight away? Because he's cost one of his companions his life. So do you think that it's just that the Doctor be put on trial for interfering? Um, not really. Not really. Well, I think the next uh, next serial might 
we'll revisit that story, I think, or that that question, I think, as we go along. Uh, I think I think the trial of the Time Lord is an interesting present, uh, is an interesting premise. I think it's a, they need to do something to sort of, um, I think, refresh in Doctor Who because having Monster of the Week stories is okay, but it can get a bit stale. And I do like when it, they sort of bring in story long narratives into you know the season i think it does work sometimes sometimes it doesn't the e-space trilogy was quite good i looked like that sort of three serials story the key to time was a little bit hit and miss it was more hit than miss but it did have some really good moments um and then there was things like the, the obviously the regeneration of the doctor with the the keeper of Traken, legopulus and then castrovalva that's kind of a three series a three serial arc as well, which works really, really well. But we'll have to see what happens. Mm. So I actually quite like this parts one to four. I do think it's interesting. It does flow a little bit. You know, it is obviously the robot is a little bit sort of it. And not that we haven't seen that kind of robot before we have. Uh, you know, Glitz, again, Glitz is uh, an interesting uh, character who we do see more of. In the future, he does crop up again in this season. So he becomes like a de facto companion for the Doctor at one point. So we'll see. They obviously liked that character and decided to keep it going. The Basically, we'll go to Mark Campbell's episode, Guy's Verdict, which I think will probably reflect what your views are, Becky, by looking at it. So despite good performances all around, the story goes nowhere, says little and ultimately comes to nothing. The supposedly humorous end is woeful or four out of ten. So it's woeful. Yes, that's what the wording says. So sounds a bit weird. So you know, yeah. So Mark Campbell is uh, unfavorable again. You know, I think it's all right. It, it starts. It kind of builds. I think the time, the trial of the Time Lord, it kind of builds and builds and builds, obviously to the um, the finale, as it does. But you know, I think it has. It's a nice. It's a nice, interesting start. So we'll see where it goes. Anyway, so let us know what you think of uh, this first start for, you know, for the Trial of the Time Lord. I think it's all right. I think it's okay. Um, yeah, but you would. Why? You, because you're easily pleased. No, I'm just a column. And I think right, that, we'll go into another I think thing. That basically, think? if anything... You're slightly biased. Well, you've seen one season now, and you're now going into another season with Colin Baker. What do you think is Colin Baker's Doctor now? Now you can have an, an opinion of Doctor ba- of of Colin Baker's Doctor now that he's sort of established his kind of character. Mm. Mm. Still a bit of an unknown. Mm. Well, you've only got like a few more episodes to sort of make your mind up whether or not he was a good one or not. I think also there is, um, they're trying to say there is also a bit of a time jump as well between the last season and this one. I think all in it's all, it was 18 months uh, between the seasons, yeah, which is quite a long, a long time. And I think there was obviously a, a reason for that. And um, obviously this is the sort of, uh, this is obviously Colin Baker's last season, which we will go into a little bit more at the end of uh, of the season as to, unfortunately, the circumstances surrounding Colin Baker's sort of ejection, shall we say, from Doctor Who and maybe why it took 18 months to get this one off the ground. I think there was probably problems with it, uh, which I'll look into for the next next podcast. I will get that um, them facts and figures and see why it took so long to get the podcast going, um, to get, sorry, the get the next season going. 
there's obviously a reason and obviously there is evident you know it's been evidented that there was a, a bit of a rocky road evident for, not evidented yeah. all right then that correction um it's obviously documented that that was a bit of a rocky road for colin baker this season and the penultimate end of um of his tenure and obviously then that will lead into the regeneration which uh, colin baker was obviously the only doctor to never regenerate on regenerates it's a bit of a riddle shall we say he regenerates to say the sixth doctor regenerates into the seventh doctor but colin baker never regenerates let's just say that um so yeah let us know in the comments section which is always in the description what you thought of this first part is it good is it not let us know uh and we'll see you for the next one and then it'll be christmas becky we'll be going on our break for two weeks christmas i like to prepare the people for that mm. for time to catch up with the podcast as well i know we put out a lot of episodes uh through the course of a year and you probably people probably still on the beginning of the year um so it gives us it gives people a chance to catch up that two week break at the end and then we'll be so the next one will be five to eight uh, and then I think it's nine till twelve, and then it'll be thirteen and fourteen. That's how we're going to split up this the, the the podcast into these manageable chunks for this season because we could do the whole thing, but it'll be a three hour podcast, so there's no point in doing that. So anyway, so thank you all for listening. We appreciate you all. It's been seven. I think on the Spotify statistics, seventy two percent increase this year on the listens, Becky. Which is, which is brilliant thank you all for listening uh and uh thanks for all the continued support as well uh and we'll continue going in the new year where we'll be getting into new territory shall we say yeah um <clears throat> so anyway thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time i'll say goodbye and say goodbye becky bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>